Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Lucy Goosey Libations Friday edition of the show. Great to be with you on an overcast, sorry, rainy, spirit-crushing Friday. <laughs> it's not. We'll be all right. We're going to have fun. It's going to be okay. On Twitter, it's Ache Cameron Show. Hope you're well. Hope you're better than this headset, which is just driving me nuts right from the beginning of the show. We can't have this, Tom. We cannot start a Friday edition of the show. There it is. Did that fix it? Yeah. Yeah. Was that your fault? Nope. Oh. There was just something on the board that uh, needed to be fixed. And I was wondering, too. I was talking to Matthew. What the hell? Why do I only have sound in one ear? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was... It was there was something on the board. There was just one uh, George Jetson job, and the sprocket was made, and we're good to go. Yeah, that's good. Gotta have it, man. Can't have of uh, can't have the one ear thing. I was like, well, this is gonna drive me batty. You did that for years, by the way. Didn't you just listen? Didn't you have a headset that you only listened to out of one ear for like eight years that we did the show together? Yeah, in fact, oh no, that's uh, not, there's one around know. these parts that has that too, and it doesn't bother me. Oh, if that's it the case. pisses me off to no end. Well, I can't do it. You need to focus on the now. Mm. I need to focus on multiple things. Yeah. That's our jobs. I need, like especially when we're on remote. I do not like the double cans over the ears yeah, yeah, because you, get, you need to hear the surroundings. If somebody's yeah. about to say something that is going to be an FCC violation and they sure. need to be escorted away, yeah, all that kind of stuff. It's true. It's true. You know, I was reading right when we came on. By the way, welcome in, friends. Loosey Goosey edition of the uh, show on Alliviations Friday. And it really will be. It always is. It gets looser and looser and sillier and sillier the further removed from football we get. Because it allows us certain freedoms to just go anywhere we want to go, have any discussion we want to have. And I rather enjoy that, by the way. It could be anything we want. Uh, But but, uh, I was going through right before the show, minutes before this thing got started. Because I've told you this before, and they know it. They know it. Every website knows it. Every ESPN-like show knows it. You know, any of those kinds of things. If you give us a list, we're going to click on it. If you give us a ranking, we're going to click on it. It could be the 10 best plants. Well, I don't, I don't, I've got an opinion about ferns. Let me click on it. You know, like you'll do it. You can't help it. And so I did it, even though I care nothing about Stuart Mandel, you know. In fact, I rather don't don't like him. The 10 best pieces by me, No, Stuart Mandel. That I wouldn't click. No. Okay, you found a list I wouldn't click. But I would be oddly tempted just to see what Stuart thought of his 
his work. But uh, See, yeah, a, the yeah, click yeah, has been made. Yeah. <laughs> so so here you go, man. I clicked on it because it was his post transfer portal early. Wow, wow, there you go, buddy. Wow. On a Friday, uh, his post transfer portal top twenty five for the twenty twenty two college football season, and I thought. Well, it's a top twenty-five list for college football. It could be that could be Harry, who lives three doors down from me. He could be like Jeff. I just posted on my Facebook page my way too early top twenty. Harry's two top twenty-five page. Like, All right, Harry, I'll check it out later, and I would, which is ridiculous. You would. Well, maybe not on Facebook, but if it was somewhere other than that, right? I might. So I can't help it. I can't help it. You could come in every day. I did another top twenty-five. Oh, what is it, Tom? Is it in my inbox? Did you send it to me? I would look at it. So I clicked on it because I'm like a kid at Christmas. I want to see, does anybody, anybody who covers the sport, again, I don't even have to respect the person, anybody who covers the sport and is paid to do so, right? They're, they're working members of the media covering college football. Do they have us in the top 25? Zubin Mahenti could do it. That's a toughie. Would you click on the Zubin Mahenti top 25? I would. <laughs> Even though their quarterback can't speak English, yeah. I need to put them at 12. A lot of people do not know the joke uh, that you're referencing, but yeah. Yeah, and I was on SportsCenter with him, and I uh, did a little interview. It was the 6 o'clock one, too. It was like the big one. And I remember hanging up uh, thinking, I hate that man. Yeah. I do. I can remember no, that. That's news. Yeah, I do. I remember thinking, <laughs> anyhow. So, bottom line, bottom line, uh, I would tell you that uh, I would click on it. I would. Yeah, bigotry comes in all colors. It, it did. It did. He uh, let it be known. Uh, so, I go through the list just to see. Now, I don't expect, like, I'm not, like, perusing the top ten and going, where are we? I mean, I'm a realist. So I quickly scroll outside of the top ten just to get because I don't have, I don't need to read the write up on freaking uh, Michigan or Notre Dame I don't need to read that you know I'll scroll through I'm not that interested in what he has to say I just want to see the names of the teams that's all I'm looking at so I went through here and sweet Jesus it just angered me Tennessee made his top fifteen get me get the hell up out of here with this nonsense here we go Tennessee okay. So did, uh, uh, you know, Wake Forest, obviously. Kentucky. Wake Forest in the top 15? Uh, Wake Forest is in the top 20. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, here we are. I'm like, okay. All right. There it is. All right. So then Kentucky's there. Minnesota is there. Basketball. Mm Mm-hmm. Cincinnati, Houston. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a toughie, Tom. I mean, I'm tired of looking around here and seeing Baylor, Ole Miss, Pitt, Tennessee, Arkansas. Ooh, Pitt? Yes. Okay. Wake Forest, Kentucky. Pitt without Pickett? Yes. Minnesota. I know, by law, I've got a Minnesota. There you go. Uh, there it is. I'm like, God, dog it. That is just not what we do. Let's go. Let's get. Let's stop the nonsense. The madness has to end. It's just, I'm just vocalizing frustrations. This is not insightful. I don't mean it to be. I'm just getting it off my chest at the start of the show that our, you know, our little dalliance here in the uh, in the land of suck, 
needs to be over. I'm done. I'm done. I'm very patient, more patient than I used to be about almost all things in my life. And that includes games, poor play, teams that disappoint. Like my pirates have taught me patience along with my children. I have learned that you have to sometimes just take a step back. In that order. Probably. But it is tough, you know, I mean, because the Pirates have been doing that longer. They've been teaching me how to be patient for much longer than my children. My children, I'm required to show patience. I produced them. I made them enter into this space, so I have to have some some grace. Like a Jeff Cameron montage. There they are. Yeah, I have to make sure that I take a step back. If my oldest is, uh, you know, speaking gibberish or resenting me because I actually want him to clean up his room or to take a shower or to pick up that plate and put it in the kitchen or whatever it might be. Oh. I have to show patience. It's a rough morning, huh? <laughs> so, no, I, I, you would be surprised. It's one of my favorite things about parenting is when you take a step back and you actually see what your kids, when they get to a certain age, and my kids are both now entering an age that sucks. It's the worst age. Kids, if you're listening, between the ages of 12 and eh, 16, depends on how quickly they mature. But somewhere at boys, anyhow, girls are a lot more mature than boys. But 12 to you know 15 or 16, it's the worst. It's the worst. They, they have to, evolutionarily speaking, they have to push away because soon enough they'll be out on their own. And so they have to push away. And you have to remind yourself of that, Tom, because you want to throw them through a plate glass window because it is very frustrating when you say something as simple as, hey, listen, that glass that's been sitting in your room for five days needs to be put in the sink. And they look at you like you're nuts. Like, you, how dare you? I, I like the glass. It's, there's no logical reason that this glass is still sitting here. You drank whatever you had in that glass days ago. Go put it in the kitchen. And they think it's, and they resent you for asking them to put it away. I see the brilliance of this statement. Mm. All right. So the glass is the football program. There we go. Right? Is it half full? Right. And your sons <laughs> yeah. are the hurdles. You can pick your hurdle bad recruiting, ACC, uh, administration issues over the last period of time and you are the fan base in this analogy saying damn it man yeah this glass needs to be returned to the kitchen which is the top 25 brilliant brilliant well you get me tom i do it's been a long time our partnership and friendship so uh yeah i'm ready for the glass to be put back in the kitchen there's no doubt even if it is mandel's kitchen (laughs) that's correct anybody's kitchen it just can't be in a room off on its own, in the wilderness, lost, unclean. It has to be fixed. This must be remedied, this situation. So is LSU in Stewart's top 25? At number 25. Okay. At number 25. Opportunity yep. strikes. Mm-hmm. 1-0 against number 25. Well, i got to tell you, buddy, I'm really, really hoping that um, we, we see – a trip back to that neighborhood we so enjoy. It's a little bit like uh, the return of the ice cream truck. The sounds off in the distance. The bells, the music, calling your name, reminded you, reminding you that uh, all at once things were good. There were, there were times where you could calmly walk to the kitchen counter or wherever it was. You kept your change, grab your $2 worth of quarters. 
meander down the driveway just in time for that ice cream truck to turn the corner. There's Susan. She's reliable. Every third Wednesday, that truck comes by here, and I'm going to get me whatever it was you got. She's turned her life around. <laughs> Did a couple of spells in county. Mm-hmm. It's okay now. Now she's an ice cream truck driver. Plotting her next move. So I just, there it is. Hey, you know, did you get the, the push-ups with the, with, the, with the candy at the bottom, the, the gum? Uh, I loved them. No. I, oh, I, I loved them. I would always get, like, uh, old-school popsicles, um, and I always liked the, uh, the freeze pops in the, the plastics. Mm-hmm. And then if, we, if it was the ice, uh, ice cream truck person, which they had at the high school, like, once a week or mm-hmm. once every other week, I would get the Italian ices. Italian ices. Oh, yeah. Everybody got the Italian icy. Either the lemon or the cherry. I'm on both teams. They're both delicious. I'm, well, there is a divide there with uh, with folks. Folks are wrong. They are. They are. They're, they're both, both delicious. delicious. They're both delicious. Even the blueberry's good. Uh, we would, yes, you're right, by the way, the ice cream truck that would come would occasionally have the Italian ices, and we as a football team would race over there to try to get them before practice started if you could. That was the key. Speaking of which, we got something that I'm excited about. It'll happen next week, and I think you guys will like this. I told Tom this already, but this is great. My old teammate and dear friend, now Dr. Tommy Carter, Tom Carter, as he's known to his uh, to others, um, is is uh, he started a new business. Now Tom is a brilliant uh, person. In addition to uh, being an elite athlete, nine years in the National Football League, was uh, a great player at Notre Dame. Uh, he, uh, he he came out early. Uh, ended up, uh, I think he was drafted 13th overall. He's my high school former quarterback, and I've known him since we were in middle school. Great guy. Anyhow, he reached out to me today, and we started talking. And I actually, I should mention this because I'm going to have him on the show, and this is why it's interesting, and it'll be interesting to all of us. And I'm, he's, like I said, he, he's now Dr. Tom Carter. He's brilliant. Charity boxing match? What are we doing? No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> uh the Art of Business and Sport, Illuminating the Way, if you go to his website, The New Era of NIL. And the point of this is he's, he started a firm, and I, I won't get into all of that. This isn't to promote that per se. But he is an expert on, uh, and he was a former head of the Players Union in the NFL. So this is a really bright guy. And uh, he, he talks, uh, he helps explain NIL and the proper representation players are going to need in the in the modern world of NIL, how you navigate all that, how you protect yourself, uh, how you get what you got coming to you if you can, and all that stuff. But he's going to break that down, and I'm going to have a long-form conversation with him. I'm going to invite him to sit down, and we're going to just talk, and then we'll break it up and put it on the show. Now, this is interesting because it's a great way to answer a question, and we were discussing this broadly last night with Peter Collins on Warchant TV. Mm-hmm. He's the uh, the chair of the FSU Board of Trustees. He is indeed. And uh, they can't talk at the Board of Trustees about NIL just yet until the loopholes in the state are closed. right? That's they can't on official terms. It's almost like Mike Norvell can talk uh, generally about the 23 recruiting class, but he can't talk about a specific player. Yeah. And one of the things in the general discussion about NIL that came up was representation and knowing what you're signing and understanding Correct. the deals that you're cutting. Mm-hmm. And for a 17-year-old or an 18-year-old... Well, that's a daunting deal. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole. It's a brave new world for them, too. One that they shouldn't have, really, all that much exposure to, but they will with the quickness if they can run the right 40 time and they've got the measurables that go along with said 40 time. So that's interesting that maybe Tommy Carter might be, it sounds like, an advocate for uh, the education. 
of the player to make sure that the player knows what the hell they're getting into when they sign an NIL deal to make sure they're not signing their life away. Very much so, and I am really interested to hear him illuminate this for us, and I think it'll be a very interesting and insightful conversation. Uh, Knowing Tommy the way that I do, uh, I've always been obviously very impressed with who he was as an athlete. He wowed me from the first time I ever saw him because he was the fastest, uh, springiest, twitchiest guy in the room. Every, I mean, it, it, when I met Tommy, he was five nine, five ten, and he could dunk, and he ran like a four three four. It was the dumbest thing I ever saw. And it, he went on, obviously, to utilize that skill set to become an NFL football player, a defensive back in the league, and all that good stuff. But I always admired him because he was also – uh, an incredible advocate for education. He was a 4.0 student. He was brilliant. He could have gone to Harvard. He was all of those things, right? And yet, he was also that elite-level athlete in any sport that he played, and he was elite in track, elite in basketball, elite in football, everything. It was crazy. And you'd never know it to talk to him. Uh, he would never offer up any of that. And he accomplished a ton of things. And so it was funny. As his career progressed in the NFL, I saw him at, and this is a name drop, saw him at William Floyd's wedding, and we were talking there. And even then, and here he was, an NFL player. Open bar? It was an open bar. Good. Yeah, yeah. And we were talking, and as we were talking, I asked him, because he's in the NFL at the time, and we're talking, and I'm thinking, this is cool, I get to talk to him. There were a bunch of NFL players there, because uh, at the time, William was with the San Francisco 49ers, so that was cool. It's better, Yeah, better be an open bar. Well, it was a good time. So I'm talking to Tommy, though, uh, and as we're talking, I said, uh, you know, I'm asking him questions about the league. I'm asking him questions about preparation. I'm asking him questions about his workouts. I'm asking him all these things that, you know, you got a guy right there who's playing in the league in the moment. You can ask him what practices are like and all that. And then, well, that conversation is is kind of, you know, going back and forth. And he's telling me, you know, hey, we do this. We never would have done that at Lakewood. You should do this, this, and this. It's a lot of fun. I, I, I started to ask him about other interests beyond football. Does he ever have time to do other things? And he said, well, I want to join the – I want to represent the players. He knew even then. He was like, because a lot of guys that I meet in this league and guys that I've played with, they get screwed. They don't know what they're worth. They don't understand how to manage their money. They don't, and he's like, I, I want to be an advocate. Because he was lucky enough, he came from a family that really emphasized education. And so he was always talking about doing stuff for players who didn't have that. And it doesn't shock me to find out that in the era of NIL that he would start this company and that he would do that to help educate and represent players and i just think it's a great chance for us on the jeff cameron show and on with war chant to be able to talk about nil and and because he'll know it backwards and forwards already he'll know everything you can and can't do he'll know how where this is probably going and uh, I, I think it's gonna be fascinating so look for that next week i just wanted to bring that up i had that conversation with tommy this morning and he agreed to come on so it should be a lot of fun sorry just an aside i think i find that fascinating hey, it's a friday we're talking about lists and then we're talking about the important stuff too and everything in between yeah everything in between uh, that will be uh, that'll be fun. It'll be fun to because uh, I mean I think he'll go long form. So maybe I'll talk to him for like an hour, and he can probably illuminate for others uh, not just about nil, but how I really kind of propelled him forward in his career. So that way, somebody else is advocating on my behalf. Yeah. Well, you make sure to ask him what he would have <laughs> gotten uh, if he went uh, in the air, in the era of the nil to Notre Dame. Yeah. What yeah. would he have commanded? Has he ever thought about what value, based upon today's dollars? Well, that's the, one of the first questions I'm going to ask him because he's so quiet. Now, I, he, not in the radio setting, but he was such a quiet guy. I mean, he was not brash. William was brash. Tommy was not. Um, he just quietly went about his business. I don't know what he would have commanded. I don't know that – I don't know. I don't know. Does it behoove you to be over the top or to be reserved and 
conservative. Well, he, he would have a great perspective <laughs> on that. I think he's probably going to tell you that uh, it would behoove you to be yourself. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hold this poor and lonely heart Man, I'm so pumped up about the golf tournament, it pisses me off that it's in April. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to play some golf, buddy. We got rained out today. You and I were going to be playing together at uh, Capital City Country Club, and the rain police came in here and just ruined it. I woke up this morning, 5.48. Oh, all right. Opened my eyes, looked at the ceiling, gathered myself. Is it a nice ceiling? It's plain. Just a white ceiling. Nothing there's no, magnificent about it. There's no crack or paint chip that you stare at specifically? There's not a spot? No, there's a spot in my curtains when I wake up in the middle of the night, which is every freaking night around 3.20ish, and uh, I look outside that little tiniest space in the curtain because I like to see the way the moon shines. I can tell what time it is. I wake up so frequently in the middle of the night that when I open my eyes, I can tell you exactly what time it is based on where the moon sits through that little space in the curtains. I'm usually good to guess it within four to five minutes. I'm never like 10, 15 minutes off. I can tell you just by, I sit there, gather, look. Yeah, it's about 320. I'll look 318. Okay. At least you derive some satisfaction out of a middle-of-the-night wake-up. I've played a game with it. Yeah. I've gotten good at it. Oh, on the nights that I nail it, on the number, I want to wake my wife up and go, got it! Right on the number! 317, baby! Uh, just Woo! shake her. Hey. hey! Hey, I nailed it! Right on there! Got Jesus, it. what? Yeah, nothing, I got it. It's 317. Nailed it. Promise you. So, yeah, anyhow, uh, you know, insomnia hurts. But I uh, I got up, and I was like, ooh, Tom and I are playing golf today. And then I heard, I was like, son of a... And that was the sound of drizzle, by the way, if you couldn't tell. That's what I heard faintly in the distance. I was like, God, dog it. Calmly walked out to the kitchen. Dogs looked at me like, hey, what are you doing? Got a glass of water. Walked back in. Jumped in the shower. What are you going to do? So, here we go. You embraced it. I did. Uh, well, yeah, there's nothing you could do about it at that point. I just Embrace got, me as my son. I said, damn it, time to make some sandwiches. So, that's how that went. Uh, yesterday on the program, in the second hour of the show... Simply fantastic work by myself and Tom. And we were having a conversation about uh, where's Mike, like, what would what would make Mike, that would be Coach Norvell, whom we both like and think is a good coach, what would make him a dead man walking? What kind of season would make him a dead man walking? In other words, when would he enter and firmly, firmly plant his cheeks on the seat that is hot? Oh, all right. 
my biscuits are burning. Yeah, it's a little warm in here. And we said certainly anything below eight wins, seven and five, would make it a little toasty cheeky. So we thought that would not be a good situation, like seven and five. But then I said to you, and this was this is what I was presenting to you. I said seven and five. You know, they're not firing Mike next year. Financially, they can't really afford to do it, and they don't want to do it. And I think it would be unwise, short of a catastrophe. Well, if they go out and go three and nine, you got to tell them to have a good day. There's no doubt about that. But if he's reasonable, if they're six and six or seven and five or whatever, he's not getting fired, and that's fine. But what my contention was is that that wouldn't be good enough to lure a good class, and so you'd be pretty much a dead man walking. You wouldn't have enough bullets in the chamber to survive the following season. You wouldn't. You wouldn't make it. And then, therefore, in essence, we would just be playing out the string together, now wouldn't we? It would be a sort of wink, wink, nod, nod. Like, the best of luck, Mike, but uh, we both know time is short. Until, unless there's a movie that Disney Plus would pick up in a couple of years. Yeah. A miraculous turnaround. So, I guess uh, that got us thinking a little bit about, okay, well, <laughs> let's avoid that. I don't want to start over. Nobody does. I'm not rooting for that. And... I was thinking about the reason for it would be that if you go seven and five, you're not going to impress enough of the difference makers in the recruiting classes to change, continue to flip your roster in in a way that can get you to where you need to go. And so therefore you're just playing out the string. Well, interestingly enough, I mean, that elicited a lot of response that a lot of people were like, whoa, whoa. Um, Okay. And we were going to, everybody has an opinion about that, but Ryan, uh, correctly here in the chat notes i think where nil is going with super donors at ut bama texas a&m fsu will be happy to be oklahoma state type good gonna be tough to envision landing national championship caliber players okay so the reason i uh click on that and and get excited about that and want to talk about that is i think he's 100 percent correct and i would like to know where the mind the collective fan base mindset is on what is now after these years of suck and mediocrity what is now a good season because unwaveringly so my approach to florida state football all these years on the jeff cameron show was to talk about when i would say i remember early on people didn't get it and then they began to get it i would say if this team, if I if, if I referenced a player or a team, and I would say, grammatically incorrect as it is, they're not any good. I would say things like that. I'd be like, look, they're not any good, and people would go, well, they're nine and three. I'm like, they're not any good, because the standard was the standard. The standard was ten wins plus and or national championship caliber teams. Year in, year out, that's the goal, right? Like, FSU baseball's goal is to get to Omaha every year. Now, you can say that's unrealistic, it's unlikely to happen, but that's the goal. That's the standard, is to, to be a, a, a team good enough that, to get to the College World Series. Knowing that along the way, losses happen in baseball, it's a series, all that stuff, but that's what you better be, you better look like that. You better look like a team capable of that. And if you don't, it's fair to criticize them, because that's their own standard. And I thought, for the longest time, for Florida State football, the standard is the standard. You're a 10-win operation. You should compete for an ACC championship every year. There's only two other teams in the conference that are any good. And then, you know, we'd go consistently, and we would go through this, right? I wonder, has that moved? Has that bar been lowered? Is it now because if you're willing to agree, if you accept what Ryan said here about 
with NIL being what it is now and with these programs that have more money than anybody else could dream of having, certainly not Florida State, right? Well, you don't have Texas A&M money. We don't have Texas money. We don't have Notre Dame money. We don't have Alabama money, Georgia money. We don't, and it's most unfortunate. So what's realistic now? What's fair to expect now? What would you be willing to accept now? Because I dare say the answer to that question is what we would have previous said to be nothing but mediocrity and or they're not any good. Yeah, but are you saying that on a permanent basis, that you are permanently moving the bar, or that we have shifted our goals for the That's the question, the foreseeable it? term? That is the question. Because to me, it sounds like you're permanently moving the bar. Until we find a way to infuse a hell of a lot more money into this program and compete with the elite teams in the country for the best players, the answer would have to be, realistically, yes. I think we can agree on the next two to three years, uh, 10 wins being a, a very successful season here at Florida State, bowl or not included, right? Think, you know, 10 yeah, and two yeah. or 10 and three, whatever it is, however you get there, that's a successful season, but that sets the table to do bigger and better things. Or maybe so, it doesn't. Right. That's where we would probably part ways. I'm not, I'm not telling you anything definitive today. I'm not saying that in perpetuity, Florida State would do good to go 9-3 and three in the regular season. That 8-4, and four, we shouldn't scoff at. We should say, hey, nice year. We're going bowling. Had a big win somewhere in there. If you got eight or nine wins, you probably beat somebody that you shouldn't have. Probably beat somebody that was ranked. But that is an entirely different standard yeah. than the vast majority of Florida State fans listening to this program today would be willing to accept. That is an entirely different standard. If we hold them to the standards of just seven, eight years ago, that would be unacceptable. I remember being pissed off when we won the Orange Bowl over sorry-ass Northern Illinois. I remember walking out of that stadium being like, come on, Jimbo, man. We, this should have been a better year. We're better than this. And we had just won the Orange Bowl in 10 games. Right, yeah. So the uh, season that came with an Orange Bowl more recently, 2016, where you go, I think it was 10-3, you beat Michigan in the Orange Bowl. That would be considered the pinnacle of success for the long term. See, I, I feel like that's an argument that I'm looking forward to having, once we get to a place when we can have that argument, we are not there yet. We're not there. And, and Jamie's on the chat and others who are just maybe joining in. I'm not saying I expect them to win 10 games next year. In fact, we just did W's and L's two days ago. I picked them to win seven games. So, and, and listen, that could change. I mean, that's some of that's fun. Some of that's tongue-in-cheek. Tongue in cheek. So, but, but anyhow, the point is, no, I don't think they're, that they're going to make this magical leap from having a sub-500 season to 10 wins next year. They're not going to do that. But... I am asking the larger question, have we shifted and lowered expectations to where, in essence, hey, you win nine games like Oklahoma State, you're like, oh, all right, guys, we're a nine-win team. And that depresses me, and I want to know, collectively, like I said, as a fan base, as a passionate fan base who cares deeply, who's seen success, who most recently watched a team win a national championship less than a decade ago. So, you know, that, that if you're a realist, if you're if you're if you're taking a look at what's going on here and the way these recruiting classes are being put together those with deeper pockets the upper echelon players that we no longer have access to is it realistic to expect anything more than those kinds of seasons and that means 
by definition, we're no longer Florida State. We're no longer the program that has earned its seat at the table of the best of the best that play college football. I thought this is supposed to be a loosey-goosey. It is loosey-goosey. It's a conversation. It's okay to say. It's, it's like we have to have these debates and nuanced conversations about what is realistic to expect as a Florida State fan. Well, I think that we're shooting for an Oklahoma State-type season in the near term, and that is at least for the next two to three years. That I would... think that's a coping mechanism, and you're smart to do it. What do you mean? I think because you – yes, I agree. Obviously, the next step is you got to win eight, nine games. That's an Oklahoma State-like season. But I'm asking the bigger question, can they do much better than that anytime soon? Yeah, I, well, here's the reason I, I would focus only on the next two to three years. I believe that there is going to be a wholesale change to the way college football ah. operates as we know it. Okay. And I call that – I've called it before – as I believe we're getting a get-out-of-jail-free card here pretty soon. And by pretty soon, I mean in the next five years. Well, thank God. Yeah. Because otherwise, what I'm saying – and that nobody wants to hear is that nine wins is about the best you can hope for around here with the way things with the way classes are put together now. Our our yeah. access to those players is no more. Uh, I agree. There's only so many seats at those tables for the now, but the problem is that the Big Ten and the SEC, the yes. other schools not named the aforementioned Bama, Texas, whatever, those schools can kick in dollars that we frankly just won't be able to. Uh, at least not for multiple players. Maybe we get a player yes, or yes, two. Yes, there's an outlier. Maybe, maybe. But listen, we couldn't even get an all-time Hall of Fame legacy son. We couldn't even get him. Couldn't even get a seat at the table with him. And and look, any of those great players that you would want that can change your fortune, can change an entire defense, like a Marvin Jones Jr. And Georgia and Alabama ain't letting you get that. It's not happening. Unless there are sweeping changes to the system as we know it. And we get clued in and brought in to the bigger table with a bigger pile of cash. Which, again, I feel like that has to come in order for the sport to survive. Otherwise, it will turn into women's basketball. And you won't watch. It's our, well, Most people won't. No, I agree. And that's where like I, the diehards in, in Tallahassee everywhere in the college football footprint. The southeast, some parts of the Midwest, Texas, Oklahoma, and then you know pockets of the West Coast. They're going to continue to watch. But that's not what ESPN cares about. That's not what the networks care about. They know that they're going to have those people. But these deals that they're signing with the conferences are for such high amounts of dollars that they expect the country to watch it, not just the swaths of diehards. They're yeah. not paying for the diehards. They know they're going to have those. Well, those guys are coming along for the ride no matter what. Agreed. And so it is in their best interest to influence the conversation to bring it to a more equitable existence. That's what I'm hoping. The money will drive it. In a weird way, right now, money is driving the sport away from us. Correct. Away from Florida State. Correct. I believe the money will drive I mean, it around back the other way because they need competitive balance and they need to reclassify. Well, you and I have agreed on this for a while, and I've said this is where we we were headed towards the iceberg for a long, long time. We've arrived there now. and that's it's why the Grand Rights sucked. And it's not – well, but I listen, that's a nuanced conversation, too, that you know there was not a lot for – anybody could have done. I mean, you weren't going to get an ESPN deal without it. So you go independent. Okay. Well, of course they could have and made plenty of money doing that. Well, now you're arguing individually, sure, not collectively as a conference. Oh, I would never argue collectively as this conference. Uh, no, no sir. I know. But, listen, we got beat to the punch on that. I we mean, did. There was another week. And really, we lost. Well, we lost. Barron made a bad call. Man, but the ACC wasn't in a position. We, we could do this. I know, I know. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> to the now. Yeah, to the now. But what sucks about that is it could very well end up and I guess I'm going to bring it all the way back to the beginning. It could end up costing Mike his job. This 
stretch in time in the game with what we can and cannot do. It could. And I hope not. I hope not. I hope. You know what I hope? I hope he band-aids the hell out of this thing. I hope that he's able to get around some of his problems, which are personnel-related, meaning people he's hired or not hired. Let's put it that way. And some of it is, of course, totally out of his control. I mean, COVID's totally out of his control. Also, when you're a first-year coach with the early signing period, you get screwed. So he had back-to-back kicks to the cojones. Most people don't have to deal with that. Everybody had to deal with COVID, but not everybody has to deal with all of that at the same time they're bringing in a new coach in an early signing period. So that sucks. He got he got screwed. Yeah. But then, then you marry that with all of what we're talking about here. You're like, man, it just may not work out. It may be that we're four or five years in, and you're like, well... And that's why I wondered what the expectations were. I think Mike's a good coach. I, I hope it doesn't. And I, when, I, when I talk about band-aiding this, he's going to, because we're not going to be able to win over the best of the best, as it was just proven out, in recruiting high school, you're going to have to win the transfer portal better than most. Better than most. Yeah, agreed. And they're shifting that focus, at, I don't think, in perpetuity. But certainly they did a great job this year because they know that that's a different conversation for kids who don't necessarily command the type of NIL dollars that Mm -hmm. a 17- or 18-year-old would. Now, I think that's going to change, though. I think the priorities of all schools is going to change. If you can find a multi-year stud, like Caleb Williams, who ends up following Lincoln Riley out to USC, then I think those kids are going to command quite a bit of money. But I think the long-term question becomes... If you've got, this is like a summer economics that I took, oversimplified management software program, right? And so you only have X amount of resources and dollars and how much you want to put in research and development and marketing and all that kind of stuff, right? Well, if you've got an extra $2 million, do you devote that to a staff member, a support staff member, or a player? This is the conversation that we need to get comfortable with because our resources are so limited that what do you choose? When push comes to shove, well, would you renew Mike Norvell with a bad record over the next couple of years but increase the amount of NIL once this loophole gets closed that we can openly give to players through the university, through the programs mm-hmm. of, of the university and Apex and boosters working together? Is that more important than reshuffling coaches every two and three years? Yeah, I, I feel don't like wanna... in a way it might shield him. Because you go well, long-term with this guy that you think would be efficient, spend the money on the players. Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting conversation, and it's why I said that it's not so simple. Like, you, you gave the other side, and that's fair. And I'm only presenting that, unfortunately, there is the other side, which is that mm, people get antsy. 7-5 and sub-500 gets people very antsy. And you don't typically have, amongst most fan bases, uh, a degree of patience that would allow your scenario to play out it doesn't typically exist and once there's noise in the system as there were as we say then that it quieting that is extremely difficult when we have to take a break but tom i'll answer your question in a second not tom lang but tom hayden uh because he's well i'll get to it he's talking about a standard from the 90s which is when i was in school when you yes i get it but that's not that's not realistic it's not realistic with the college football landscape we're describing. Well, and uh, one more question, I guess, for the break to think about. But what is the value of an assistant coach who's a good recruiter anymore? I mean, you know, somebody who's a bag man? What's the, I mean, do you really need that type of coach anymore? Or no, but do you, you, need- be- you need a guy who can get some players. I don't care how he gets them. Yes, but what is the value of that 
anymore well, in no, the no, world no, no, of the no. NIL. Well, right, the right, handshake right. deals, no, who it's cares? Above, it's above board now, but what I'm saying is some things don't change. If you're a position coach, if you're Ron Dugans, you better bring in some damn receivers. I don't care how, but you better, and he's not. And that's why people got pissed off. Now, I like Ron, but that's why that conversation exists. But if you send Ron to Miami with you know six hundred thousand dollars, he doesn't to come offer, back with anybody. Well, now that would be that would be troubling. Uh, Jeff Cameron Show ninety three three Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Jeff Cameron Show ninety three three Real Talk Radio War Chant TV Libations Friday. Not as loosey goosey as I intended, but it is a conversation. Speaking of which, have you ever been concerned about taking too much risk in the stock market? Have you ever heard of the rule of 100 or 100 minus your age? This is a rule of thumb that can help you estimate how much investment risk you should take based on your age and or stage of life. Let's say that you're 65. Take the number 100 and subtract your age, 65, from it. Your age, meaning the number... 65% is the amount of your money that should be safe, guaranteed, and protected. The leftover number, 35, or 35%, is the amount you can keep in the stock market. Maybe in good dividend-paying stocks, mutual funds, something along those lines. If you'd like a simple and easy-to-read report on how much risk you're currently taking, whether you're age 45 or age 85, call or text Pete Tyson from Preservation Financial Group. The number is 850-523-6118. That's 850-523-6118. Pete will give you a no-obligation, easy-to-read report on your current risk level. That's Pete Tyson with Preservation Financial Group online at preservationfinancialgroup.com. All right, back to the questions I said I was going to answer. I, uh, Tom had noted that he was here in the 90s. The standard is domination. Anything less than that is a failure. I'd rather spend $10 million on a championship basketball team and spend $10 million on an Oklahoma State pile of crap. Now, I like that Tom references Oklahoma State's annual 8-4, and 9-3 and three existence as a pile of crap because that's very much to the point that I was making. If that's now what we are, and that is the new standard, has collectively the fan base, the donors, the boosters... The alumni, have they accepted that and will they view the games through that prism? So when you lose to Wake Forest, so long as you then beat NC State and then perhaps lose to Clemson, so long as you beat, you get the point. And you've completed your 8-4, and 9-3 and three campaign. Will that warm the cockles? Will you then go, we did it. Mike is operating at peak efficiency. Florida State's where they should be based on the new normal. Because if that's the new normal, we're going to lose a lot of people. There are a lot of fans that won't make the trek to Tallahassee to watch a annual 8-4, and 9-3 and three campaign. You'd lose more people if you just decide to burn it to the ground in, in favor of other sports. That's correct. It's a net negative. So speaking for Warchant.com, I hate the idea. Hate it. you got to pursue football excellence. You do have to pursue football excellence. It's a football school. And uh, I agree. Uh, I, I, I sure, surely hope uh, that we end up with something that allows us to dream big again. I'd like to dream big again. For now, I agree with you. You can't dream big. They're not there. So 
you can't snap your fingers and make it all go away and make it better the way we wish we could. And we have to, again, kind of piecemeal this thing together a little bit. Uh, piecemeal this thing to get together a little bit because you, you end up having uh, the inability to recruit elite players. Thus, you cannot be elite. But elite is where we want them to be. Right. Well, this is where I think this particular period of time, from February through kickoff of the great Duquesne game that we will see in August, what direction one. the athletic department takes under new leadership, the board of trustees takes with a new chair, got a new president here for a full academic year, well, full calendar year, I should say. The pitch they make with Mike Norvell in tow, the pitch they make between now and kickoff is critical. Because I think you can go to FSU alumni with desperation in mind. I think you can pitch that and not seem weak. Because it's the truth. You got to bring the facts to the people. Yeah, we need more. And you, however you fundraise, and there are a lot of smart people, including Peter, who was on last night. Mm-hmm. He's raised a lot of money for a lot of different purposes over his business career. Whatever that secret is, that secret sauce for pitching, you better take jars of it with you because we need it. And that's what's critical right now is the fundraising. Yeah, it's a little bit of a chicken or the egg argument here, though. Because those people of which you speak, the uber-rich that are willing to part with their hard-earned money to help support their beloved Florida State football program, do so and are inclined to do so and are motivated to do so by wins. By seeing a program that is moving in the right direction. That there is appreciable growth that they can witness. Right. And the pitch that he made last night, Peter, is you've got to spend money to make money. You've got to believe. Because if you're going to wait around for a national championship before you spend, then you're going to be waiting. No, I agree with that. But that's a tough thing to be able to compellingly ask people to do. The fatalist in me says that even if you can convince them to give of said money, there's not enough of those people to compete with the Georgia's and Alabama's. Yeah, considering they have a $30 million head start with a TV contract. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's the fatalist in me that says, well, good luck. All that work won't get you to where you want to go. It's a start, though. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.